This is Why We Write, a podcast of Leslie University. Every episode, we bring you conversation with authors from the Leslie community to talk about books, writing, and the writing life. I'm Georgia Sparling, and today I'm speaking with Cindy House, author of the forthcoming essay collection, Mother Noise. In addition to essays, Cindy writes short stories, she's an artist, and she's toured with David Sedaris, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, But first, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Georgia. So yeah, I'm so I'm so excited and I have lots of questions, but I want to start with a confession that I don't read a lot of essays. <laughs> and yeah, I read this one. I was really excited to read it because we had talked a few months ago and I just found the length was perfect with the tone and the content. And so I don't know, I just I really, really enjoyed this one. So I'm excited to talk about it. First, I was wondering, would you kind of tell our audience in your own words what the book is about? The book is about um, coming to a realization about 20 years into recovery from a pretty severe addiction and realizing that I had this child who did not know this part of my history and um, sort of coming to terms with sharing that with my son so uh, so that um you know he wasn't in the dark about this because it was a huge part of my life and it's a jumping off point for other discussions with him and also sort of coming to terms with um what that kind of experience means 20 years later um cuz it it doesn't just fade away and as i'm writing um what i found was in grad school it, it kept intruding it. I never meant to write about my addiction, but once I got into school, it seemed to be the only thing that was insisting on being written about. And so it became something I had to deal with in a new way 20 years into recovery. Hmm. That's really interesting because I was curious like what it was like for you to write these things down, especially with, you know, 20 years of hindsight and then to have to revisit it and rewrite it and do multiple drafts? You know, what was that process for you? Um, I think a lot of it was cathartic and healing. um, And some of it was not fun to revisit and uh, was, you know, kind of painful to remember I had been there because I think that the way I dealt with recovery for the first five years was to sort of pretend it never happened and just um, start this new life. And then, you know, I had a baby and then your life is completely different. So to revisit it, um, and I, I didn't feel like I could turn away. I felt like I had to revisit it. It was kind of hard and it's hard to think about your child knowing this. So, you know, it was, I think it was complicated for me. As you were writing, did you have hesitation in sharing some things? Because you you go, you get very vulnerable and um, talk about some really dark moments that you had. You know, was there anything where you're like, I don't know that I want the public <laughs> to read this? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, that's always, I, and I'm feeling it now, wait, waiting for the book to come out in May. You know, there's a feeling of like, oh, I wonder if my sixth grade teacher will read this and know that this is what happened. Um, it definitely, it's, it's a little uncomfortable, but I realized after I finished the book, I realized that it's, it's more uncomfortable to pretend it didn't happen. It's more uncomfortable to hide. And so I just have to live with 
the lesser of the two discomforts, I guess. And so the book covers, you know, it it doesn't just talk about 20 years ago. It talks about now. Um, I'm curious what stories, you know, did you, do you have like three times as many stories um, that you've written? Like, how did you decide what would go into this collection? I think what happened as I was putting the book together, I realized that the thing that was really on my mind was the struggle that my son went through during my divorce. Then the book became not a story as much about addiction, but a story about surviving things. And the the essays that I had sort of lined up to support that because it became me trying to help my son survive something, which of course brings up everything I've survived. Um, and the idea of, you know, what can we get through with the least amount of damage possible and where can we find strength to push through something? And, and um, you know, he was so young through a lot of it. It just sort of realigned how I thought about difficult experiences and survival. I want to read a quote from the book. This one's from the story Morton's Fork, um, which is a song. (laughs) And you said, The things that haunt us can be left behind in what we make, held safe where they won't continue to torture us. Maybe that is what drives us to make art out of the worst things that happen to us. Maybe for some of us, that is how we survive. And I was curious if you would kind of unpack that idea a little bit more. Because I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, and something like really specific (laughs) to the creative types, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think about Morton's Fork is by a band called Typhoon and the lead singer writes a lot about his almost fatal experience with Lyme disease, which, um, when he was a kid. And so it just makes me think a lot about how we process difficult things. And, um, even one time, I remember David Sedaris said to me, what do normal people do? <laughs> like when that thing happened, <laughs> you know, how do they get through it? And I think that even now it's even more conscious. Like if something terrible is happening, I think like, oh, that's going to be so good when I stick it in an essay somewhere. And it's, it's a good way to live. Like I really recommend it. If you don't write now, like try to write, <laughs> try to start making art or writing. I don't know. It's, it's very helpful, I think. Was writing always a refuge for you? I, yes. Well, I, I was more of an artist when I was younger. I always did both and I went to art school, but making something from nothing has always been a huge part of my life and something that I really need to do in periods where I'm not making anything. I'm not really great to be around. Mm, Interesting. Do you set aside time every day? Like, do you have a routine to make sure that you're always writing? Yeah, I write every day. I, I, there was a period during the pandemic when I was doing the drawings for the book. And so I was doing more drawing than writing, but every day I do something, um, almost every day I would say. Yeah. And I'd love to talk about the drawings too, because those, those are really great. So throughout the book there, there's a few that are um, which is like, like graphic narrative essays. Is, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's the the term to use, but um, that they rely heavily on on the images and that you you illustrated those. So I, I'm curious, like how you decide what form an essay is going to take, because you do play around with form a good bit in the book. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, the subject 
dictates for me and I don't even really think about it that much. Um, the first draft of the book or an earlier draft, my editor at Simon & Schuster said, I think that we really need a scene or an essay where you actually tell Atlas because I set up the, the opening essay talks about, I think it's time that I tell my son about my past. And then I realized she was so right. And when I thought about writing an essay about the day I sat down and told him, it just didn't wasn't coming together. And I pictured that moment. And I was really staring at his face when I was telling him. I was trying to read, like, what is this doing to him? Or how is he taking this in? And so I ended up that I ended up doing a short essay where it's really about his face and the different expressions. Um, and so that completely, I didn't even really do a draft of an essay. I just started drawing um, because it holds a different weight. And it, I think it, it got that moment across better than an essay would have. So most of the time the material sort sort of tells me how, how it needs to be um, expressed. I I was thinking, like, I guess my, I think my favorite essay is the one that you wrote about <laughs> David Sedaris and your friendship with him. And you told that one in reverse. And I was curious what that communicates doing it that way or like what, what you wanted to communicate um, by doing that cro- reverse chronological order. I think that instinct was um, when I thought about writing about David, um, I think about where we are now and how important he's been to my life. And then I trail backwards, like how it started, because I don't have many people in my life that I've known for 30 years who um, have been so, so, such an important part of my life like that. So it just started in the present um, it, because as I've been writing and having this book come out, he's, his role is become so crucial um, just for advice. And the day I got an agent in New York right before the pandemic, David took me to lunch to celebrate. So he's, you know, very much a huge figure in the present. And I think in the past, it it was more teacher-like. He was my teacher. And now I feel like he's just such a a great peer and a great um, person to have with me on this journey. In the book, I noted that you you said three times, I think is what I counted, of things that saved your life, <laughs> like when you were um, really dealing with your addiction. One was the things they carried by Tim O'Brien, which is like, I don't have a lot of five-star reads, but that's one of them. It's so, so good. The Another was Morton's Fork, which we just talked about. And the third was Davis Sedaris. I'm curious, like, if you could talk a little bit about what you mean by, like, saving your life and, like, how did that, how did those things kind of transform you or bring you out of, or help to bring you out of that time? I think all three have in common the idea of something bigger than immediate suffering. Um, When I was in my addiction, I held on really tightly to the idea that um, if I went to see David at a show at a, well, he was doing readings, not in huge theaters early on, but he would still see me. And if I wrote to him, he would still answer. And so this idea of like, maybe a better life is still waiting for me. If this person who I admire so much still refuses to give up on me, uh, it just, it was 
everything for a while. And, um, and then when you see like someone like Tim O'Brien, who survived Vietnam and wrote this unbelievably beautiful book about it that is, has meant so much to so many people. It's just the idea of like, there's something bigger than this moment of suffering and addiction. And, you know, maybe I can crawl out of this. So I think that's, that, that's the way they saved my life. Yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. And what has mentorship, like how has it helped you in your writing? I mean, you're a, you're a graduate of Leslie's MFA and creative writing program. And I know there's a really strong mentorship aspect there as well. Like how has it shaped you and what you write? I definitely would not be here without mentors um, from starting with David. And then uh, when I got my MFA at Leslie, there are just brilliant people teaching there who are so supportive. And um, I worked with Hester Kaplan, who's incredibly talented and such a great, she was such a great mentor to me. Just the question she would ask after reading something to push me into deeper parts um, a lot of the book, like the opening essay I wrote when I was working with Hester, um, Bill Lightcheck, Michael Lowenthal, um, people who will just push you a little harder to go deeper. Um, I, I, it's amazing what I got from my time at Leslie. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't been in school for decades, but it was really everything. And the book is, um, some of the book I, I wrote while I was there and was really shaped by these amazing people who teach there. What prompted you to want to get your MFA? You know, I just, I felt like I needed to develop better habits. I wanted to be in a situation where I was completely submerged in writing and I wanted to take myself more seriously. I wanted to, I felt like it was sort of now or never. Um, my son was seven. So I was out of the like early, early parenting days. And um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to dive in. Yeah. Did, were, were you in the nonfiction track at Leslie? No, I, I went, I went as a fiction writer and I thought that I would write stories and I still like, short story writing. But um, then I did an independent study where I did a my interdisciplinary topic. I did, uh, I wanted to write this essay about David and I worked with Michael Lowenthal. And then all of a sudden it was like, just like, it just came out of me and I started writing nonfiction and I'd never written nonfiction before Leslie. Yeah, I just, I never did. And I don't know what happened, but I just, it just flipped the switch. So, um, which I'm grateful for because it's, it's nice to choose to be able to, it's nice to have both. I think I felt like I just didn't know how to do it or I don't know, but it just started coming once I got into school. Will essays be your primary medium? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think it'll be sort of half and half. I'm, I'm working on a novel right now for a second book. And um, so I still love fiction. And actually, after you write an uh, essay collection where you completely out yourself as an addict, it's like super fun to go back into something that you're like, it's not true. (laughs) Nobody can say like, can, you know, it's just, it's a, it's nice to sort of go back to fiction for a little while. It's based in truth, but 
it doesn't hold, it's not the same thing as like putting yourself out there. Yeah. Like there's like a, a, a space between you and it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you, how do you feel about like your neighbors reading your book? Or I know in the book at one point you talked, well, you talked a lot about just feeling shame, like shame about the past and, and shame about like not wanting other people to know. And there's this one line uh, where you talk about somebody in your community talked on Facebook about they'd been three years sober and you're like, oh, like she just put it out there, you know? So, I mean, you've, you've done that (laughs) um, with this book. Like, how does that feel? Um, you know, that, that woman who I mentioned in the book, who, um, who posted three years sober, she's very out there with her recovery. And I so admire her. And I ended up writing to her or messaging her and saying, look, I wrote this essay. I don't name you, but you're in it. And she read it and she was really moved. And it was just a great experience to talk to her. So people like that give me courage. If she can do that, you know, it, and also I, I, want people to feel less shame. I don't think that people should feel shame. I think that to be able to just talk about it, it, it's shocking to me how many people who have heard about this book in my life, people I don't know very well have said, you know, my brother struggled with addiction or uh, people telling me their stories. And why are we not talking about it? Because it's very widespread and so many people have been touched by this. And so that part feels good. It's still, it's, you know, it's a little uncomfortable and I worry about people saying things to my son. So has he read the whole thing yet? Yes. More than once. (laughs) He did a close read and and changed something. He'll, he would say like, mom, I, I didn't say she screamed it. I said, she just said it. And so I would go and, and change it. And I thought that's true. That's true. He didn't say that. Um, and he's really, he writes too. And, uh, he just, he's been, he's amazing. He's, he, I, he's very supportive and not worried about himself. Um, but I worry people might, I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I think about his age and it's a weird thing to have your mother publish this book that you're in when you're a teenager. So that's probably the hardest thing for me. And and the book is really a lot. I mean, we were talking a lot about the aspects of addiction, but it really is a lot about being a mom and, you know, how that changes you. And um, that I, I kept as I was reading, I was like, what is this mother noise thing? <laughs> and then I, I got to the um, to the story where because he um, Atlas, you said that he acts and he, he you're watching the scene and really got into it that he's as he's performing it. And you made this kind of like sound that was your mother noise. And I just thought, oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so emotional to see your kid acting, doing something he loves and doing it really well. And then that particular scene, there was an actress who like put her hands on him and is like screaming at him. And so, yeah, I was just worried. I would just start like sobbing and make all this noise and he's trying to do his job. And so, yeah, that's where the title comes from. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, I really was. I was like, where are we, when is, what is this mother noise thing? (laughs) And I was like, oh, I get that. You know, I have a mother. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I do want people to know, like the as I, I think I said before, like it is 
there's a lot of hard stuff, but it is really hopeful. And also, like, it's funny, too, at times. Um, when we talked for an article a few months ago, you said, you know, you're not really a funny writer. And you have been, you the past couple of years, have, have gone on tour on some of the dates with David Sedaris. And you've read essays. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not funny. <laughs> but but you are. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, you know, like, you you have there's the one story I'm forgetting the name it's the one about the summer daycare and all oh heartworks heartworks yes and all the all the kids and parents having like the names of trees and things so (laughs) (laughs) what is it like to switch into kind of a more humorous mode or you know did you want to include that as kind of a more of a moment of levity or I think so yeah I think I wanted to have a couple of pieces um that would be lighter and, and funny is always good. It's, it's, um, it isn't something I've never was funny before. Yeah. I think that the lightness of it, and also, you know, that's what I was been, that's what I was writing a lot of for, to open for David. I was trying to hit a new note and, um, and then the other thing is parenting is hilarious. I mean, it's really, it's really hard, but it's so funny and I, even on Twitter, there are parents that I follow because they're so funny. Um, Cause it's just, it's just a crazy few years when, I don't know, kids are funny. So that helped. If I wasn't a parent, I wouldn't have been able to open for David Sedaris. A lot of my humor comes from that kind of stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <great>. <laughs> Um, so we know what you're doing next. Are you, are you going to be traveling with, to talk about your book? Yes. Um, I'm going to do a few spring shows opening for David before the book comes out. And then for most of June, I'll be touring with David. We'll be doing bookstores together. And, um, and then in the fall, I'll probably do some more shows, but I'd probably do the entire month of June, which will be really nice. He's really, he's, He's fun to be around. So he seems like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One last question for you. As I said, you know, the book does talk a lot about shame, but I'm curious, like, what's something that you're just really proud of or really happy about? I, I would have to say my kid. My kid is just spectacular. He and he just seems, you know, really solid and he's kind and um I don't know. I just I'm really always very proud of him. And also I, I'm really, I'm really happy to be here. I'm grateful every day. I'm really happy, not just to have a book up, but just happy to have survived and um, to have made a life that is very different from how I was living. And um, yeah, every day is, I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty grateful. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Georgia. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cindy House. Cindy's debut, Mother Noise, is out from Scribner. You can find it in all the bookstores. I've included a link in the show notes, as well as how you can learn more about Cindy on the socials and all the things. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs>